How is everybody today? It's a good day. Can you feel the energy, feel the Holy Spirit's presence? It is awesome. I just want to say I am super excited to, um, to just be up here this morning because God is so good. I mean, the song choices that we were singing, it was literally like somebody had read my message and thought, what four songs would go perfectly? So I'm telling you, the Lord is in this house today, and he's getting ready to do something in all of us. Can I get an Amen. I want to welcome you. My name is Stacy. I'm one of the pastors here. I want to welcome you here, and I want to give it up for our Framingham campus. Woohoo! Give it up for them. We're glad y'all have joined us, and we also want to welcome our online viewers. If you're watching us on Facebook Live or online, welcome today. This is all for you. We all deal with t- the topic today, or we have at some point, some level or degree. And uh, we're in the middle of our sex series, and so if you have your worship guides, you can take those out, and you know it's big sex written on the front. So take that into the restaurant, and when you go after the, this afternoon, that'll be a conversation starter, right? This is from our church. We love you, and God loves you, and we talk about sex. Um, But today, I'm going to jump right in. We're in the middle of our sex series, and last week, um, my husband preached, and um, I'm Pastor Derek's wife, if that didn't translate there. Um, But he preached last week on a great message, and um, next week, he's also going to be preaching, but he's going to talk a little bit more about the Garden of Eden, and um, I'm talking a little bit about it today, but he's going to develop it more next week as well. And um, so today we're talking, if you looked at your worship guide, you already know the topic is called Shame Uncovered. So shame is something that we've all dealt with at one point or another. Some of us literally deal with it on the daily, um, on the hourly sometimes. Sometimes it's, you know, it could be random levels and varying levels of degree. Um, But it's something that we all need to know. And I want to just explain that this is not something new. Like, there's all kinds of shaming out there today, right? You know, on social media, if anybody's on social media, you see that there's all these different kinds of shamings. There's body shaming, fat shaming, mommy shaming, parent shaming, religious, political shaming, all kinds of things. But this is not something new to us. It's just what happened back when I was growing up or even when I was raising my kids, it was like, if you did something stupid, only the three people around you might have shamed you, right? Because, but now somebody throws it up on social media or somebody tells everybody what happened and then like a thousand and three people shame you because it's out there. But shame has been around since the beginning of time in the Garden of Eden. Um, and I, I want to say that there's some, some people, like I said, different topics that we have. Um, you could even be ashamed of your upbringing. Uh, anybody see the movie Sweet Home Alabama? <laughs> I'm from Alabama. That's hence the accent. You'll hear him say y'all or all y'all or whatever. But um, she was ashamed of her upbringing. Some people are ashamed of their finances, of the grades that they got, or the, the fact that they didn't go to college, or the job that they have. All kinds of people are ashamed of something, you know, whether it's, when I, I shouldn't say all people are ashamed of something, but a lot of us deal with it. And I want to read you what, um, this, is, this is not even Bible-based. This is just straight out of Google, Wikipedia. It says, dealing with shame is a threat to the integrity of the self. It keeps us caught in the fear of being found out by others. The perceived deficit is so humiliating that the person goes to great lengths to hide the flawed self. We're all flawed. So I, I thought that was interesting. The perceived deficit is so humiliating. It just means the person who's dealing with shame is so afraid that they're going to be exposed that they will go to great lengths to hide that, hide exposure. And shame is a symptom shaper. That's not something you can say five times fast. Shame is a symptom shaper. Everybody try it real quick. Shame is a symptom shaper. I've said it three times right in a row. Um, but 
It's when people figure out other behaviors that they can portray in a desperate attempt to cover over what they really think of themselves or what others have put on them that they think of themselves. So it could be um, anger or rage or like if you're insecure, a lot of times men have this machismo. You know, it's really because they're insecure. It could be controlling spirit or critical. Like literally if somebody's critical, they're dealing with their own shame. And it shapes ourselves on how we want others to see us. Shame does that. And so there's a difference between guilt and shame. Guilt is about action, and shame is about the self. So guilt says, I've done something bad. I must make a payment. I must pay for my bad thing that I did. Shame says, I am bad, and I am unworthy and unlovable. So there's a difference. Guilt is about the action. Shame is about the self. So shame creates habits that are detrimental to our thinking. And scientifically, again, if you look it up on Google or Wikipedia about shame, it's scientifically proven that it affects the whole body, the whole self. And because shame is an emotion, it affects your emotions. It affects you spiritually, relationally, and physically. And we're going to talk about the different ways that, um, that we see in the Bible. So we're going to start there because that's where shame started. So in the beginning, God and man had complete intimacy. There was trust. There was innocence. And it was awesome. And then sin entered, shame followed, and intimacy was lost and broken. So my goal today is to help expose what shame is so that we can remove it out of our lives and restore the intimacy between God and between our, in our relationships. So if we look at Genesis 2.9, we're going to go to the, the Bible right at the beginning, the Garden of Eden. Genesis 2.9 says that the trees were pleasant to sight and good for food. So everybody say pleasurable and purposeful. Framingham, are y'all saying it? Pleasurable and purposeful. Okay. So in verse 25, chapter 2.25, it says, they were naked and not ashamed, and then that changed. So let's see what happened. <clears throat> let's look at Genesis 3. Verses 1 through 7. It says, God gives them, well, okay, I'm, I'm going um, to summarize what this says. So God gives them the do's and don'ts of the garden. You know, don't, do, don't eat of this tree. Um, then the crafty serpent comes in, questions Eve. He says, did he really say that? Can you really not eat of any of these trees? And she says, well, no, just not this tree, um, or we'll surely die. The serpent's like, you're not going to die. Come on, he just doesn't want you to be as wise as he is. He's, you're surely not going to die. He just doesn't want you knowing all that he knows. So Eve saw it was good for food, pleasing to the eye, and desirable for gaining wisdom. And she took and ate and gave some to her husband. Okay? So now, the, the serpent appealed to her pleasure and then distorted the purpose. She, Eve needed to have, like Luke Barnes is right here. The, did anybody see the video that their family put up of Brian holding the tail of a snake and Luke, who's 14, 14, anyway, 14 years old. And he has this stick and he leans over and he's trying to crush the head of the serpent. And then he grabs it and picks it up. And he's like, well, this is heavy. I'm like, Eve needed to have that kind of fearlessness, you know, to be able to just say, nope, serpent, you know, but let's look at what happens. Um, we know that sin entered and then shame followed. So Genesis 3, 7 through 10, it says, let's look at that. It says, then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew, where were we? 
they realized that they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made covering for themselves. I have a, a helper today. Praise God. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves a covering. So it says, then, can you, fig leaves, that's what they were trying to make themselves because they knew that they were, they had been uncovered, so they knew that they were naked and ashamed. And it says, then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. This is actually where the TV show Naked and Afraid originated. It's biblically based. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. I've never watched it. I don't know. Um, But when God was asking, where are you? He wasn't like, oh, myself, I've lost them. I've lost my creation. Where are He knows everything. He knew exactly where they were. But he was giving them opportunity to own it and fess up. Okay, you can can put that on the ground. You can go. Thank you. Can we give it a hand for Mike? And our fig leaves? Okay. So when God was asking this question, it's like, I think he was doing, you know, like when um, we were sitting at the dinner table when the kids were growing up and I would say, you know, Devin wants some broccoli, Madison want your carrots. And they would go, no, thank you. And I'd say, well, let me rephrase it. Here's your broccoli. Here's your carrots. And one time Devin goes, mom, why do you even ask? And I said, because I'm giving you an opportunity to make the right choice. That's what God was doing. He was trying to give them an opportunity to make the right choice to say, I'm here, I messed up, oh my gosh, because they knew they had already messed up. So Hebrews 4.13 says, nothing is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare. So God has always given you an opportunity to um, confess something and expose it to him so that you can be truly healed. And I want to say that today could be your day to get free from shame and anything else that is uncovered in your life because this is a good environment and God's giving you an opportunity today. Don't miss the opportunity. I want to say that strong. Don't miss today. Can I get an amen? amen. All right. Framingham, amen. Okay. Verse 11 through 13, it says, so who told you you were naked? Right there. Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put me here with. Do we have the, the, the gifts up there? The woman, that's the Eve. How about the Adam one? Adam's like, the woman you gave me. She did it. She's the one that gave me the fruit, and I ate of it. And then Eve is like, I don't, I mean, I'm so confused. Like the serpent deceived me and I ate of it. Okay. So there was shame over both a physical and a spiritual nakedness. The, the, the intimacy was broken right then and there. And, and you know that when God left the garden, Eve was like, you had to throw me under the bus in front of God. You know, she lit into him. Ladies, right? What kind of protector are you? And she's probably like, God gave you to me. No. But they had shame. So there was intimacy broken between God and them. But there was also intimacy broken between Adam and Eve because they went, blamed each other, you know. So this is where it went from naked in paradise to naked and ashamed. Everything was great one moment and it all changed because sin and shame entered. There was intimacy, trust, and security, and innocence. And it was gone. And that is where the enemy has tried to keep us since the beginning of time. 
so that we feel that loss of intimacy with the Lord and with the relationships that we have. And and shame is the enemy's plan to keep us from walking powerfully and living victoriously. It's his plan to get us to not have intimacy with him. And our big idea for today is God wants to see and remove a sense of shame. We have to be aware of the enemy's deception so that we can walk in God's protection. We have to know that this is his plan. And when we dwell on our shame and live in it, we're giving in to his plan. And I'm not going to do that. And I'll share a little bit about that later on. But so we're going to talk today about shame exposed and shame expelled. Okay, shame exposed, that's kind of an oxymoronic statement because people who deal with shame, they don't even want to say the word expose. That's the thing. They don't even want to be exposed in any way, shape, or form, expose their flaws. They don't want to deal with it. So shame exposed, we're just exposing the problem, not a person, right? Okay, so Ephesians 5.13 says, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. So God wants us to be able to expose something and bring it to the light so it doesn't have the control over over us. In Ephesians 5, I think it's right before that, in verse 12, it says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of the dark. So when something is in the dark, it's not, it's, um, It keeps the power over us. But if we expose it to the light, it has no control over us. And that's what we are supposed to expose shame. So in in our world right now where sexual immorality is rampant, I want to shed some light on why this is the the case. So the enemy works so hard to shame us in this area, and I want to expose why. And it's interesting to see that, number one, the serpent's first deception involved sexuality. It involved the body, and how they felt about their bodies. Genesis 2.25 says, The man and his wife were both naked, and they both felt no shame. This time, at this time, there was no embarrassment, no uncomfortability, you know, no sense of shame. They didn't feel dirty or vulnerable. They weren't like, look, don't look at me. They weren't, you know, turning around to put their fig leaves on. (laughs) They weren't doing any of that. It's like there was just completely innocence. It's like Zion and Hudson, okay, when they are grandsons. They're about one-year-old each, and... They, um, Wednesdays, we keep Zion, and so he comes over, so they take baths together, and they play together. And when we take off their diaper, when they're getting ready for the bath, it's literally like they think the gate is coming up for the wild bucking Bronco to just enter the stadium, and you take the diaper off, and they start running down the hallway, chasing each other, running back and forth, because they're like naked and unashamed, okay? And can you imagine if that's what we were supposed to feel like? Now, I'm not saying please don't do that. We will throw your naked butt out of here if you try to do that, okay? That's not what I'm saying. But we need to have that kind of shamelessness about who we are. Yeah, there are things that have happened to us, but we're going to expose it so it doesn't have the control over us because the enemy wants us to hold that over our head, and that's not going to happen. So our bodies or our sexuality is not the problem. It's the lust of the flesh. It's because the serpent appealed to the lust of the flesh at the very beginning. And he appealed to, you know, you can have knowledge. You can have wisdom. And you, can, you deserve better than this. I mean, he, even just his tone, he says, surely he didn't say you couldn't eat from any of these. Like, he's, he's basically appealing to a sense of entitlement. Like, surely you can eat all of this stuff. So why did he, why was the serpent's first deception 
involving sexuality because number two, our sexuality is Satan's easiest door to shame. It's the easiest way he can shame us. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Everybody say, I am bought with a price. Okay, think about it. This this might be a little uncomfortable for some of you um, because of your past or what's happened to you. But think about the first time that you were exposed to sexual immorality, whether it was your choice or somebody else's bad choice to you. Okay, there was... There was all kinds of feelings, uh, whether you were young or not, and you don't even remember. If you remember, you know the feelings that you have or have had when sexual immorality was a part or, or, or something that happened to you. There was confusion, maybe mixed with a rush of excitement or, you know, thrill, and then total guilt. But one thing you certainly experienced was shame. After it was done, you experienced shame. Okay, and for those of you who experience shame because of what somebody else did to you, I'm sorry, but you do not have to live with that. You do not have to live with that. That is, they, because of their shame, that's what they did to you. And I want you to be set free today from any shame that you feel, whether it was your choice or somebody else's choice, because, well, I'm going to get ahead of myself, because that's what Jesus did for us. We don't have to live in that. Okay, so even if it was your doing, let's talk about that. If it was your doing, say the first time you saw pornography or that you had sex outside of God's protective parameters and you felt shame after that, okay, it's still you have those feelings of guilt and excitement and then confusion and always shame. And shame is what we carry. The guilt is what you feel when you've done it, but then shame is what we carry along the way for the rest of our lives if we allow the devil to, to win. You felt shame because the Bible says it, says it itself. The sexual sin is against our own body, and the enemy knows that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So it's like he's trying to kill two birds with one stone. He wants to destroy our bodies, which again, scientifically, Um, the internal factors, which I'll get to in a minute, destroy your body if you allow shame to have its part. But so he wanted to destroy our bodies, but then he also wanted to destroy the temple of the Holy Spirit. So that's why he went with sexuality and shames us in our sexuality because he knows that number three, shame causes a loss of intimacy. Genesis three verses seven and eight says that then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So shame caused both internal and external effects. Internally, you know, we hide, we run, we have a fear of rejection, we have insecurity. And externally, it it plays out in broken relationships, time and time again, over and over. Or you just can't get it right in the one relationship that you have, or you just go back to it. Shame Shame, when a person's dealing with shame, it's, they're saying, you know, their walls are up and they're saying, if I told you who I truly am, would you really love me? Would you really accept me? And I, Derek had in his message last week such a great point. And he said, if people were accepted and loved in here, the church, maybe they wouldn't have to come out out there. Sometimes it's a matter of acceptance rather than an identity issue. And so Wherever shame and sin live, that's where intimacy dies. 
However, the truest opposite is that wherever intimacy lives, sin and shame die. So we have to expose the shame and get rid of it so that we can have the intimacy. The Bible says, run from sexual sin. No other sin clearly affects the body as this one does. The Bible's telling us sexual sin affects your whole body. And we could say um, that, you know, when, when something is done to you, or even if it's your own bad choices, that it affects the way that you see sex and its purpose that God created it for. God created sex for procreation, pleasure, and to promote unity. So it was pleasurable and purposeful. Remember when the, we talked about the tree, Eve saw that the tree had pleasure and it was pleasure to her sight, pleasant to her sight, and it was purposeful. Same thing with sex. Anything that God created that is pleasurable and is purposeful, the devil wants to twist and destroy to destroy us with that very same thing. So again, I want to talk about the enemy's tactic to pervert sexual intimacy. And here is your other PG-13 disclaimer. I know we said that here before, but we're going to talk about it. And let me just say this, two things. I am going to disclaim the disclaimer that if your child is 13 and you haven't talked about sex, you're too late because they've heard it. They've heard it out in, in the world. They've heard it in public settings. It's on TV everywhere. So if you have not talked to your child about sex or anything of the nature, do it today. Okay. And let me say why. I have four kids and they're all past the teenage phase. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> However, when they were going through the teenage phase, there's some uncomfortable conversations you have to have with your kids. And I was more concerned about the outcome than my uncomfortability in the middle of it. And that's what a good mom does. And I want to be a good spiritual mom today for our house, for our church, and for our people. Because I want to talk about something that a lot of people don't talk about in church. Pornography and masturbation. Did she just say that? She did. <laughs> We're going there. We, we told you ahead of time, PG-13. Probably there's people, other people are like squirming in their chair. But let me say this. This is not from a point of condemnation and pornography. So put your walls down, put your rocks down, don't stone me. I am here to help you because I want to expose the enemy's plan to destroy people from pornography. And if you see me getting excited or whatever you go, wow, she's kind of angry. I am angry because the devil is trying to destroy young men and women and Christians in general and de deplete us from our power and our purpose. And he is doing it through two things. Men's kryptonite, if I narrowed it down to what I believe, is men's kryptonite is pornography. And it's not just men. This day and age, 50% of women are addicted to pornography as well. Um, so men's kryptonite, pornography, women's kryptonite, comparison. So can you see a vicious cycle? You know, a man looks at pornography, and then the woman feels compared to what he's looking at. Okay? I could go off. I get, I'm going to have to do a whole other message on just pornography in itself. Um, but if you, if you look at that, it's just the enemy's way of getting people to not have intimacy. Okay, and I want to say this, Mark Gunger, if you've ever heard of him, he's a pastor slash comedian. He did something called Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage. Some of us, y'all remember that, I'm sure. Um, but it's hysterical. He's great. He talks about the man's mind and the woman's mind and how completely different they are. But in it, he was talking about pornography and specifically masturbation. And he said that 
the enemy's tactic is to take out a whole generation of young people because they're exposed to pornography. The average age is eight. Average age is eight. That means there's some that are older and some that are younger, that are exposed to it. It's so readily available. Keep locks on your phones, parents, okay? Keep locks on your phones. Know what your kids are doing. Protect them at all costs because the enemy, is plan- his plan is to destroy your children. And let me explain a little bit how he's going to destroy your children just with pornography or seeing that, is that children who are masturbating, say they start masturbating at eight years old at the average age, they're training their bodies to only respond to that kind of stimulation, so your, people might be thinking, okay, how is that really going to affect somebody? Well, just think about it. Like you might not have started till whatever, 16, 20, and it didn't happen quite as often because it was a little harder to get your hands on the pornography or Playboy or whatever it was. Is she talking about this? She's talking about this. Okay. So I'm, because I want to paint a clear picture. You need to know what you're dealing with so that you don't give into it the next time because... It's just so powerful. Okay, so you're, you're there. It's so easily and readily available that kids are doing it more often, starting at an earlier age. So then it trains their body over 15 years, 20 years, to only respond to that kind of stimulation. Then they get married, and they cannot even enjoy the human intimacy. Can you see what the devil's plan is? It's like he's trying to destroy intimacy in the, the sweetest and the most perfect of relationships of marriage. And he's starting earlier and earlier. We have to protect ourselves. And that's, again, I'm sweating up here because this is not a topic you don't talk about. But I'm being a good mom, okay? I want to be a good mom. And you need to know. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for the encouragement. Now I'm sweating. I'm going to have to put some deodorant on. Woo! Okay. How y'all feeling over there, Framingham? You good? Okay, good. <laughs> okay. Um, that was, wow. Okay. I don't even know where I am. Oh, here we are. Okay. So the enemy's ploy is to sap power from men and steal intimacy from women. And that's, hopefully, I just painted a pretty clear picture of a couple of things that he does it with. Is he, and, he, and if the, the shame can't get you on what you feel, he will keep attacking your body and tempting you until you can no longer interact and have human intimacy. It's just, it's diabolical. It's diabolical. Um, shame leads us to sin more. We know we cover over or we give in to the guilt or def- walking in defeat, and then we say, oh, it's a, such a vicious cycle. Like, you know, we, we feel such shame about it, but then we go, I just want to feel good for about a minute or two. And then we go back to the same thing, you know. And, or, or even if it's somebody else's choices that, you know, that you're carrying shame from, when you're walking in bitterness and unforgiveness, that's not what God has planned for you. He wants you to be set free from that shame. And the only way we can be set free from that shame or any shame is through the salvation that Jesus provided for us on the cross. And that's the key is the, the salvation through the cross leads us to be shameless. It doesn't just wave a magic wand and poof. You know, there are some people who are completely set free many times in a moment's notice. But a lot of times, most of the time, 90% of the time, is we have a choice to make. We have action steps to take. And that's what I want to talk about right now is we're going to expel shame. Shame expelled. And the first part of it is really completely counterintuitive. Completely counterintuitive. Intuitive. The first one is drop the fig leaf. What? Expose myself? No way. 
Hear me out, okay? So we're going to drop our fig leaves and expose the shame so that it is brought to the light so that God can use it for his glory and maybe even to help some other people. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we confess to him. James 5, 16 says, confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed. We have to confess to somebody else so that we can be healed? Yep. Ephesians 5, 13, expose it to the light. Let it become visible. We need to be vulnerable. We need to, you know, shame says to conceal it. We're saying confess it, not we, God. God's saying confess it. We have to be vulnerable and because vulnerability leads to stability. If we have to look at our past, deal with it, acknowledge it. Let me just say this. Nobody gets set free from shame by picking up that rug and sweeping it under there. Woo, gone. It's still there. It's going to cause you to trip over that rug every single time that you come and face something like that. Pull it out from under the rug, acknowledge it, deal with it, grieve it, and get rid of it. So once and for all, you don't have to have it. And let me say this, that our church should be a body of believers, and I believe that we are, for the most part, a body of believers who are accepting We don't shame people. Let it never be said of anybody in our church that we would shame people for anything, okay, anything. I don't care how bad your choices are. In fact, there was a guy that came. I was teaching in Next Steps. This was months ago. And he came, and he was like uh, just, you could see shame was like covering him. And he came, and he said, he was waiting around after, and he said, I just just need to tell you something. I, I need to tell you something. And he kept saying, I need to tell you something. I was like, well, can you tell me? Like, let's go. Um, he was like, I just, I, just, I just don't think that you're going to want me here after I tell you this. And I said, sir, you can't tell me anything that's going to surprise me. We got a church full of sinners over there. <laughs> just gonna, I mean, I kind of did throw us all under the bus. Um, but he was so ashamed of his past or what he had dealt with before that he couldn't even come here. He couldn't even look me in the eyes. I mean, I was like, at the end, I was like, so you're saying that X, Y, Z, like, can you just say it? Can you just expose it? He couldn't even say it. I'm like, sir, we love people here. I don't, we, we are all okay with your past. Like, we're not going to bring it up. We are going to challenge you to grow in that. If you're still dealing with it, there might be some things that we will help you with. But you're accepted here. He was like, oh, and he had tears in his eyes. And I'm like, that's what people feel like. And if we are the ones that are causing them to have shame, Shame on us. We need to be loving and accepting. And let me say this. When you're able to drop your fig leaf, like you don't just, I I don't think you should, you know, walk in the front doors and be like, hi, I had an abortion. Hi, I'm a former adulterer. Hey, I'm an addict. Hey, hey, you know, don't do that, okay? That's, we'll have a little conversation with you if you do that. But we do want you to know that you've got to find your people. And this is a shameless plug for small groups, okay? Find your people. The only way you can be able to find your people and drop your fig leaf is finding your tribe. And the only way you can do that in a big church of a 1,000 people is to go to small groups. Let me just say, it's like Luke when he was, you know, trying to put that stick on the serpent's head. He had somebody holding the tail. His dad was holding the tail. You need somebody to hold the tail of the serpent so you can crush the head of the serpent, okay? And you can only find that with people. We are not meant to do life alone. We're not meant to wrestle that serpent alone. We need help. We need people in our small groups. And, and you're saying, so if I sign up for a sport, I'm acting like a man. I'm going to go ahead. 
if I sign up for a sports small group, you're saying that I'm going to be able to drop my fig leaf. Please don't. Don't drop your fig leaf on the court or the field or whatever. But you find your people. You find, okay, it may be a sports small group this summer. In the fall, it may be a financial peace small group. In the spring, it may be something else, a Bible study or whatever. You're finding who you want to do life with, and then you find who you can trust so that you can drop your fig leaf so that you can get past it, past the shame. Oh, this is just so, so imperative that you understand this. Okay, the second part that we're going to do, we're going to drop the fig leaf first of all. And then secondly, don't listen to the enemy. we got to fight the battle. Don't listen to the enemy. Proverbs 4.20 verse 22, or 4 verses 22, sorry, I'm worked up. Okay, 20 to 22, it says, My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Everybody say whole body. Framing him to say whole body. Oh, good, y'all. We're all one. Ashlyn said it here with you too. Okay, so it says his words are health to our whole body. So you need to know what this word says. This is your sword. This is your um, what you're going to fight the, the battle with, the shame with. The, this says that I am the righteousness of Christ. I'm covered in his righteousness, so I don't have to deal with shame. I am the head and not the tail. I am powerful. I am victorious. I'm an overcomer. That's what this says. And if you don't get in this, you won't know what it says. And you'll have to trust what I say. That's what it says. Read it yourselves. But sometimes it's not just, yes, that is powerful and active, but sometimes when you believe it, this is what you have to do. Let me just say what happened like a couple times in my life. When in the things that I did, my only three sins that I've ever committed. <laughs> I know, watch out for the lightning bolt. Okay. Um, but the things that I had done in my past, I know that I, there were a lot, it, in a couple of situations, it was Christians who wanted me to carry the shame. It was Christians who wanted me to wear that badge of my sin or the proverbial scarlet letter, you know. It was Christians who didn't think that I should be so healthy all of a sudden. But it was one person that said something to me after I found out that I was pregnant with Devin before we were married. <gasps> Everybody knows it anyway, I'm sure, I think. But anyway, surprise if not. Okay, again, we're a bunch of sinners over here. We've confessed it and I'm not walking in shame. So I can talk about it because I want somebody else to be able to be set free from any shame that they would experience, you know? So um, where was I going with that? I confessed it. Oh, the one person, the one person, she's all over the map. I know. The one person said to me, she said, you know what, Stacey, if you walk in this in shame and with your head down, you are slapping Jesus in the face for what he did for you on the cross. That's all it took. I was like, well, I'm not going to slap my heavenly father in the face, and I'm not slapping my big brother Jesus in the face. I am going to fully take on what he did for me so that I can be set free from this, so that I don't have to walk in it. And let me say, if I didn't do that, wouldn't be standing here today. He wouldn't be sitting right there on the front row. This whole church probably wouldn't even be here. Well, the church would have, because God would figure out somebody else that would do this. But... I'm telling you, shame will keep you from your purpose. But being shameless will get you, catapult you right into your purpose. Come on, can I get an amen? 
All right. So sometimes when all this shame is happening, I literally, when, when the devil would remind me, or like I, I'm sure some of you have this, is you have visions or scenes of what happened in the past. Okay. I would do this. I would literally go, <laughs> stop it in Jesus' name. Okay. Sometimes you just have to shake it off, literally. I, I would be like my husband and start singing Taylor Swift. Shake it off. Okay. Um, I can sing too, just so you know. Anyway, <laughs> um, but sometimes you literally have to shake it off. I mean, it's, it's the devil's trying to remind you, and don't just sweep it under the rug, but literally shake it off and just say, yep, I did that. But look at where I am now. Look at where I am now, Satan. Don't let him remind you of the past. When he reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. That's what you need to do. You need to, some people keep replaying the same tape over and over again. Back in the day, we had mixtapes. You know, Derek would make me a mixtape. And it was like you played it for so long, you knew exactly what song was coming up next, you know, and even though they weren't the same, you know, group or whatever. And sometimes you just need to throw that tape away. For the people that don't understand what a tape is, you need to delete that podcast or whatever it is, okay? You need to take captive every thought and say, nope, I'm not thinking about that anymore because I've confessed it, I've acknowledged it, I've grieved it, I'm moving on, and I am not letting shame rule my life. If you need help, read Battlefield of the Mind. That's a great book for you. But it takes years of practice sometimes to be set free from shame, and it doesn't just happen all the time. But I have good news for you. You are all capable if, number three, you depend on the finished work of the cross. I want to say this. John 19.30 said, Jesus said, it is finished. Everybody say, it is finished. Okay, here's what is so cool to me is that Jesus said that while he was living. He hadn't even died yet, and he said it's finished. He said it is finished and then took his last breath. So he still had to conquer death and hell and the grave, okay, and that's when he went into hell and took the keys and came back and was raised to life. But he said, it is finished on the cross. That meant the work that he had done while he was living, the purpose that he was called to do while he was walking the face of the earth, he said, it is finished. What he had done for you, some of you might not know what was finished. Let me tell you, he bore our sin and shame as he was walking up to Golgotha. He was covered in his own blood and righteousness. And that was the only thing that covered him. We paint the picture or we see the picture of Jesus hanging on the cross with his little loincloth. He didn't have a loincloth. He was completely naked. He was spat on. He was mocked. He was shamed and scorned for you so that you don't have to carry the shame that something has happened to you or that you carry. You, he, you don't have to carry it. He did it for you already. It is finished. Everybody say it's finished. Isaiah 61.10 says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He's covered me with the robe of righteousness. Even after all that the, the Adam and Eve had done, they sinned against him. They were disobedient. They hid. They tried to cover themselves. They took these fig leaves and tried to cover themselves. And God saw that if left to ourselves, we would try to cover ourselves for the rest of our lives completely insufficiently. That this, the fig leaves weren't going to cut it. And I think this is a, um, this is an Old Testament foreshadowing of a New Testament reality. 
God, it says in the word, God made animal skins for their covering and covered them and clothed them. God did that. Adam and Eve didn't think of that. They didn't go, hey, look, there's a lion. Let's put that on us. Nope, God did it for them. So he, God knew that this was not going to cut it for the rest of our life. So he knew that a permanent solution had to be made. So he sent his son as the permanent solution. He sent his son to cover us completely, to cover us with his righteousness, with his shamelessness. He covered all our sins. He covered our healing. He did that for us, for you. And I want you to stand with me this morning. God's ultimate plan was to restore relationship and intimacy between God and man, and Jesus was that solution. When he was hanging on the cross, he had nothing on but only his blood covering him. And that is what is covering you today, the blood of Jesus that is so powerful, so powerful. It covers all shame, addiction, abortion, adultery, financial shame, intimacy issues, broken relationships. It covers everything. And today I want to pray for two groups of people. The first one is that you've never even known Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You haven't really accepted the work of the cross and what he did for you. And I'm going to pray for you. And then I want to pray for people who deal with shame. So If you'll just bow your heads and close your eyes, I want to give the person next to you an opportunity to have a moment, a private moment, that they don't have to worry about somebody else looking around. But if you have never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want you to just raise your hand. I'm not going to call you down. I'm not going to, we're not going to do anything. We're just going to pray with you. So if you've never, it's the most important decision you'll ever make. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ, and if you're watching online or Framingham, go ahead and raise your hand. Raise your hand now. Thank you, Jesus. I see your hand. That's awesome. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. All right, brothers and sisters, let's pray with our new brother in Christ. Everybody just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I thank you for what you did for me. I receive it. I receive the finished work of the cross. I claim you as my Lord and Savior. I confess it with my mouth. And I believe it in my heart that you are Christ, you are raised from the dead, and you are living victoriously in heaven so that I can live victoriously here on earth. In Jesus' name. And I want to pray for those of you who maybe deal with shame in your life. I just want you to raise your hand, and I'm going to pray quickly for you as well. Any shame that you have, whether it's, no matter what it is, any kind of shame. Okay, hands all over the room. That is, we will... Today is your day. Say, everybody say, today is my day. Lord, I just lift up all these people that have their hands raised that are just ready to be done with the shame. Lord, you covered it so perfectly that we don't have to do it. We don't have to try and cover our own shame or to to do something that we, um, to carry this for the rest of our lives. We don't have to carry it. So Lord, I just rebuke shame in Jesus' name and I cast it out and I say the work was done on the cross and we are gonna walk in it. We are going to depend on the finished work of the cross. We're gonna drop our fig leaf and we are going to solely and desperately depend on you, Lord. I thank you, Father, for healing us, for forgiving us and for letting us be shameless in all of our walkings, Lord. Thank you, Father, and I ask that you would just bless the people today and that you would meet them where they're at in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 Come on, Mike.